Good evening, it's good to be with you tonight. Um, Our reading is from Colossians chapter 3, Colossians chapter 3, it's page 984 in your pew Bible, 984. This is God's holy, inspired, and inerrant word. That means it has no mistakes. Hear God's word. If then you have been risen with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died And your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. And these you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Grass withers and a flower falls, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Can you pray again with me? Our Father, thank you for your word. And we do ask that you would grant us wisdom in Christ, that we may change and we may be who we are in Christ. We thank you for your word and we ask your blessing upon our meeting tonight. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Change and wisdom. How does a gospel change us? How does it change you? How does it change me? Some think that the gospel is just the entryway and then you just kind of leave it off and you you have to add and, and God leaves you and it's up to you to make it the rest of the way, which leads to a fake it till you make it type of approach. And they're, they're like, yes, I'm, I'm going to heaven. I've escaped hell, but there's real no, there's really no change. And sometimes it's because there's not a grasp of the gospel. The gospel is God's wisdom with Christ and in Christ to change us. 
And the gospel starts with who Christ is. He is in Colossians, the image of the invisible God. To see the Lord Jesus is to see who God is because he is God. He is the firstborn over all creation. That doesn't mean he's the first created. It means that he's the one who gets the blessings and the honor and the dignity of God, of all the kings of the earth. It is a place of honor. You see, Christ is God. He's come in the flesh. And the old uh, ancient church had this phrase. It said, what Christ did not assume, he cannot heal. Meaning that the eternal Son of God had to become a human being in order to die in our place, to forgive us, and also to change us. He needs to heal all of us. See, the Bible says the bad news about you and me is that we not only sin, but we are in our core of our beings, sinners. After Adam and Eve sinned, all humanity became broken and sinful and break other people in Adam. And so Christ has to take on a human nature to save every aspect of who we are. Our minds have to be changed. Our wills have to be renewed. Our hearts have to be made alive. Because in Adam, everyone, that's where we start, and we are dead to God. And this passage shows the wisdom of God and how he changes us. Christ died for our sins, was buried, and was raised again, showing that he did not deserve to be condemned, but that you and I deserve to be condemned by God. But then in his resurrection, he's the justified one. He's just. And if you believe in him, his record of obedience to God's law is now your record. And his perfect life is now your perfect life. And what this good news says is what one theologian by John Calvin in 1600s wrote. He wrote this. The gospel is what the Lord Jesus did, yes? But he said this, We must understand that as long as Christ remains outside of us and we are separated from him, all that he has suffered and done for the salvation of the human race remains useless and of no value to us. See, what he's saying is the perfect beautiful work of Christ and his obedience to the Father and his death, his burial and his resurrection is for God's glory. But to you and to me, as long as his work remains outside of us, not in us, that it's useless to you. That the gospel has to transform you and that the good news of Christ is not only did Christ accomplish that, he applies it to you by the Holy Spirit. And this is the main point of this passage tonight. Once you get this, that if you are in Christ, you are united to him in his death, his burial, his resurrection and return. Therefore, put to death what is earthly and put on Christ, put on love. So we see that the gospel in union with Christ, and then he calls us to put to death our old man and put on 
love, or dress yourselves in Christ. Those three points. And then we'll see an application of how uh, God and his word tells us how to do this. Or how to remember who we are in Christ, rather. So first, you are united to Christ if you've believed in the Lord Jesus and his resurrection and his death and burial. You see then in verse 1, if then you have been raised with Christ. You see, when Christ was raised, you too were raised with him. When he died, those who believe in him, all his chosen ones, died with him. And when he was buried, you and I are buried with him as well. And it says, since we have been raised with Christ, raised from the dead, You see, when you came to Christ, it wasn't by your power. When you believed the good news that Jesus died for your sins, it wasn't by your willpower. God had to take your broken, evil heart of stone and give it a heart of flesh. The gospel really is everything by grace. He does it all. He had to literally open your heart because you and I want nothing to do with God in our own strength. We will create idols. We'll create religious rituals to try to think God is pleased with us. We'll create whole religions that boast in the power of man and the religiosity of man, of humanity. And we will even invent ways to say there's no God. We'll come up with creative ways to escape God and to not be responsible for our sinful acts and deeds against Him. But God says, you have to be risen again from the dead. That's what God does in the gospel. The Spirit of God opens your heart when you hear the gospel ordinarily. He opens your heart, gives you the gift of faith, and you trust in Christ when you hear what he has done for you, and who he is, and how he's loved you. And you see that on the Lord Jesus, the wrath of God, the anger of God for your sins and my sins against him, have been completely satisfied in the death of the Lord Jesus. And he says, if you're that person who's believed, you've been raised from the dead, you're a new creation. And therefore, you're to set And seek the things that are are above. That you and I have the power in Christ to now live for our King of kings and Lord of lords. We've been reading and going through kings. You can see how all the kings are so earthly minded. They have the things of humanity, not the things of God in the front. They erect, the children of Israel erect altars to false gods and worship pagan gods. And their history is, is... just all, all about that. Idolatry, idolatry, idolatry. And yet in Christ, the true Israelite, the obedient Jew, we have one who didn't deserve to die, but died for us and has risen. And what he now does is give you the new ability to live for his kingdom. He raises you from the dead where Christ is currently. Like, where is the Lord Jesus right now? He's seated at the right hand of God the Father, reigning and ruling over all the nations in power, being worshipped by angels innumerable and God's people right now in heaven, 
in a risen body, the nail prints in his hands and feet and in his side, being worshipped and adored, ruling the nations, commanding what's going on in Ukraine and all the world, all part of his plan. God knows what he's doing. is in complete control. And he calls you and I not to be concerned first with the world matters, though we are people and citizens of this world, but to seek the things above, to seek Christ and his kingdom, to live life in obedience to your king who is at the right hand of God. And the ground and the basis for doing this, verse 3, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ's. You see the resurrection, you're raised with Christ. You see you're united to Christ in his death, for you have died. And you see that you're even united with him in his birth. Your life is hidden with Christ. You're buried just as the Lord Jesus' body was buried in the tomb, hidden from sight. You are hidden in Christ. And you can't find your way out. That's a good place to be lost. You are in him where you cannot be lost. And he says that who you used to be in Adam is no longer who you are. And so there's no such thing in the Christian life as the, the lying Christian, the gay Christian, the thieving Christian. You're a new cre- creation. You've been made alive. Our sins, though they cling so closely to us, and we do confess we are sinners that are justified by faith. Our sin. And our struggles and our unbelief do not define us. The Lord Jesus defines us. The Lord Jesus defines who you are. You are hidden with Christ. And we heard a sermon much like this, which blessed me a few uh, months ago. Your identity is not in anything earthly. You see, it's not in your uh, Greekness, your Jewishness, your religious standing, whether you're a barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, your social standing, but Christ is all and in all. That's who you are. You see, the gospel in Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, when you believed, you also died, was buried, and raised again. And so the gospels apply to you. This is how God changes us. And he, that means that you because you've been united to him in his death, burial, and resurrection, he's going to tell you, to, God tells us to do two things, to put to death and put on. So our second point, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. And this meaning earthly, it's like the earth as corrupt and in rebellion against God. And he names these sins, sins that we do on the body, sexual morality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, things that the world would say are natural and good, things that the world would say, why fight those desires? This is, this is what humanity is like. And the scriptures tell us, no, this is what humanity is like in rebellion against God. That sexual morality, that we belong to the Lord Jesus in body and soul, not just our souls, but our body and soul. And what we do with the body matters. That our bodies are meant for purity, not for immorality. That the God who saves us, saves us body and soul. You are united to the Lord Jesus, body and soul. 
And therefore, He owns you. You were bought with a price. And therefore, you must glorify God with your body. And so we must put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Evil desires covetousness. That's greediness. And God says that's a form of idolatry. A form of worshiping false gods, whether it be money or possessions or any such thing as that. And God has given us a new identity in His Son, our Lord Jesus. So much so that when Christ, who is our new life, appears, you also will appear with Him in glory. You've been united to Christ in His death, burial, and resurrection. I want you to think about this. In His return, your body is united to Him so that if you die... Before he returns, your soul immediately goes to be with the Lord. But your body rests in the grave. And when he returns, your body and soul will come together. And we will be perfectly glorified even as our Lord Jesus is glorified. And if we have that joy of being alive when the Lord Jesus returns, 1 Thessalonians tells us, that those who are alive will be caught up together with the Lord immediately. It's not a seven-year waiting period, but immediately you see in 1 Thessalonians, you come down with the Lord in the clouds to reign and rule on the earth forever and ever. You see, we have such a privilege and inheritance in Christ. Because of who you are and because of what the Lord Jesus has done for you, let us look to and seek those things which are above. Let us live for God's glory. Let us put to death those things that displease the Lord. Or to put off the old man. So it goes like this. It would look like this. When you're struggling with your sin, let's say it's sibling rivalry. Let's say it's uh, depression or unbelief because of what um, is going on in your life. Uh, There are some forms of depression that are sinful results. It's unbelief for some of us. That would be me. Um, What God says is your circumstances and your sin or your unbelief or whatever identity you're trying to find apart from Christ is not who you are. You can put to death all sin. And it says in verse 6, that the things that the unbelievers do, which, may, it, which goes all around us, and which when we look out at the world, you might say, well, what impact is the gospel having in this area? What impact is the gospel having when there's so many unbelievers still? And if you look at that and without looking at Christ, it can be depressing. But that's not the power of God. When we look to Christ, and you look to see what God has done in your own life, in the life of those whom he saves, God shows his power by changing sinners. And he knows his chosen ones. And he's going to save. He's promised to save all of his elects. And in verse 6, we see that on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. 
He names the sins. God's wrath is against those things. In verse 7, it says that we used to live this way. We used to walk that way. When you were living in them, that's the way you used to live. But now in Christ, you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Like your language matters. Anger is, unrighteous anger is a sin. And if we're honest, I think most of us don't express righteous anger. But it's unrighteous anger. Malice, it's hatred, slander, just speaking evil against others. Swearing and cursing, which you hear all around. I think in our first month here, our family heard more swears in in one week than we've heard in our whole life. Um, And so that's how the world lives. That's not who you are in Christ. You're a new creation. And so when you see the evil of sin rising up, indwelling sin still remaining, you can say, in Christ, no, I'm going to put this to death. I've been united to Christ and His death and resurrection. My sin is not my master. My sin does not identify me. Your sin will not rule over you. And that's the battle of the Christian life. That's why Ephesians talks about putting on armor. Be strong in the strength of the Lord. You must not let sin dwell in you. It's not your master. Christ has delivered you from it. He's done everything for you to free you from it. And so it is a work of faith. Uh, We don't just try to like, all right, I'm just going to add patience to my impatience. No, you go like this. It's like I'm impatient right now in this moment. I'm about to say something or I am saying something. And it would look like this. Faith looks like, no, this is not who I am in Christ. I'm going to put this to death. I'm going to put this to death. And you're going to fight against it. But in Christ, you now have the ability to fight. Before you were a Christian, no ability to fight. You just change one idolatrous practice to another. But in Christ, you can change because you are, you are dead to sin. And finally, you are alive to God. So put on the Lord Jesus. Putting on, that means dress yourself. It's literally the word of dress yourself. I, I like school dress codes. I would confess that. Without them, children would find their own identity in their clothing and other things, and they compare themselves. Um, even one school had a dress code that was so tight, uh, some youth even found ways to identify themselves by changing their socks. Whatever socks they wore was like their, their like identity symbol of status. But here it says that we have an identity, a new identity in Christ, to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says this about you. As God's chosen ones, you are chosen by God if you've trusted in Christ. And that is a a truth of Scripture that's meant to encourage you. It is meant to strengthen you that though your will and your heart are so fallen and you know sin and how rebellious you are against God, that God said, before the foundation of the world, I wanted you. I set my love upon you. I did everything, the Father did everything in His Son, in His death, burial, and resurrection to save you for God's glorious purpose. 
No one can boast. Everyone here who calls on Christ says it was because God chose me before the foundation of the world. And even if you're still working through that truth of the gospel, what God wants you to get out of that is that there's nothing in you that made you acceptable that God will want to love you. But that God who is love and who loves sinners before the foundation of the world chose to save a people for his own cherished possession. That's who you are. You know, people in prison, uh, when I've been able to preach in the prisons, they love this because they realize, like, I'm a horrible person. There's no way I could be saved. And to hear the free grace of God in Christ, that God chooses sinners and that they don't have to be as good as what they think are the good people, but that God chooses people and then saves them and transforms them and makes them new creatures, that's good news. He says, this is who you are. Put on as God's chosen ones. You are holy. In Christ, you are pure. You're positionally holy in Christ. And that means as you continue in faith to put on Christ and be who you are in Christ, you will grow into who you are. So the Christian gospel is like, be who you are in Christ. You're a new creation. Realize that. Reckon that to be true. Know that to be true of yourself. And you're beloved, loved by God. And what this looks like is compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience. So we put on Christ, not put on patience. We put on Christ, know your identity and believe who you are in Christ. Patience will come as a fruit of the Spirit. And the way that looks like in everyday life, Today, on the ride home, tomorrow is that we bear up with one another. And some of us have a lot to bear. My wife puts up a lot with me. She has a lot to bear. And I'm sure some of you have a lot to bear with one another. And if you have a complaint, we forgive each other. Forgiveness, the basics of the gospel. To be able to forgive freely without conditions, just as Christ and God forgave you. Free forgiveness. Let it flow. It doesn't have to be a perfect repentance, right? Here is not saying, hey, let's get all, let, let everyone have the perfect 10 steps of repentance and contrition in order for you to forgive. You know, sometimes we just let love cover a multitude of sins. Sometimes you have to address the specific thing and don't let the person get away. But let them always know that you're going to be freely forgiven because you've been freely forgiven in Christ. And so how, how can we do this more? How can we grow in this? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. You need to hear God's word. Your identity has to be rebuilt over and over, every day in Christ. You need to know who you are and all the precious promises God has for us. Sometimes we're struggling with sin because we neglect God's word. We have so much access to it. and Maybe we spend hours and hours doing other things, being guilty. And then we realize, why are we 
not growing. And it's because we've neglected God's word. Let God's word dwell in you richly. Hear his promises. Sit under God's word. Read the word. And then look at how it does it with one another. Teaching and admonishing one another. You teach one another. Let's share the gospel. Let's speak the gospel. In your homes, share with one another. In your school, in your athletics. Let the word of Christ come out your mouth. Be filled with the word. Let's be filled with the spirit. Let it dwell in you. And then we're singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Let music guide your mind, God's music, with God's word and God's promises dwell in you and have a thankful heart to the God who saved you. And then if that's not enough, it's whatever you do, your motives matter. In word or in deed, Seek to glorify God. Live with an understanding that God is not far off, but the Spirit of God lives inside of you. God is everywhere. He sees all and knows all. And for you who have trusted in Christ, He loves you. And He's died for you. You know, the good news of the gospel is that He loves His sinners. He loves sinners. And if you're outside of Christ, there's no way for you to change. There's no way for you to change to be holy, to be in God's presence. And so the Lord Jesus, the obedient Holy One, the one who never deserved to die, died for sinners like you, sinners like me. And he's buried and he rose again. And he calls you to acknowledge that you're a sinner, to repent and trust in the Lord Jesus. And by trusting in the Lord Jesus, you're completely forgiven. And you will be changed. You don't change yourself. He changes you. Let us pray to our God, who so loved us, he united us to his son and his son's work, his death, burial, and resurrection. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for your son, for his perfect work on the cross that pleased you and secured an eternal redemption for us. We thank you, Lord, that in Christ and with Christ, we, have, we are dead to sin and we are buried and hidden with him. We are raised to newness of life. Oh, Lord, help us to let the word of God dwell in us richly. Work in us that we would speak and encourage one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs that we'd be a forgiving people because you have forgiven us all of our transgressions and sins against you. And Lord, we pray that your gospel would spread throughout New England and Springfield and West Springfield. And you'd help us to know our identity, not in our sin, not in our struggles, but only in Christ. We pray these things in his name, in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen.